What's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Bray, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host in Maui, Alex Felice. Alex, how are you doing? Uh, nobody in Maui has ever had a bad day, apparently. That's valid. Yeah, nobody in Maui's had a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Jerry is, Jerry St. Pierre, is our guest today, and Jerry is a active duty Air Force chaplain with 20 plus years in real estate investing experience who runs the life and money or he is the life and money coach. And he is also the head of the St. Pierre Alliance. He is, they do scholarship stuff. We're going to dig into all that. He is the chaplain. He's the, an air force performance coach. He, I mean, he's got his hands everywhere in personal finance, real estate investing. Uh, you know, I was joking before we hit record about how I got to watch what I say on here. I'm going to get, I'm going to get my own. This is going to turn into a therapy session for Dave because you know, chaplains are there. You know, they're therapy. Boy, do I ever, I got all the problems. So, uh, but this is, this is going to be good. So I got the introduction from a member of the war room, Joshua McMillian, who runs uh, lessons in the leadership podcast. And, Mm. you know, Jerry, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, this is great. I enjoy listening and to, uh, to be on the show is quite a treat for me, so I'm I'm excited to get to hang out with you guys and and uh, the whole your whole audience and and just uh, add value. Hopefully, add some kind of value today. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle 1, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic 1, Oscar Mike. What's up, guys? Today, I want to give you a quick shout out from our sponsor, me and the No BS Guide to Military Life. So I just wanted to touch on this real quick because I don't mention this book enough uh, and I'm not necessarily trying to sell it to you. You can go download the book for free on my website. There'll be a pop-up that shows up and says, hey, join our email list. You can get the book for free, PDF, boom. Uh, you can also order the hard copy. I'm a fan of how the hardcover came out. I think it came out really nice in the soft cover, but this book was written for anybody uh, military veteran alike who wants to learn about how to build wealth using military benefits and uh, military, uh, just opportunities to your advantage. But I will say that it was definitely written with the idea of somebody who is just joining the military. And it kind of goes chronologically through what I think would most benefit you learning at an early age, like your thrift savings plan, all the way up through VA loan, building wealth with real estate, and then personal finance, entrepreneurship, uh, personal development, growth, the journaling goals, uh, and transitioning out of the military, right? This was everything I learned while I was deciding whether to stay in, go reserves, get out. Uh, I went reserves. And so this book is uh, written with you in mind. It's not a sales push. It's an actual like 250, 260 page book that is here to help you as a service member veteran learn how to build wealth. So go check it out. You can download it for free or go to Amazon or go to millionaire.com slash book. I hope it helps. Let me know. Absolutely. Why don't you uh, give the audience your backstory? Let's hear. Let's hear the uh, the bio from yeah, the man himself. Yeah. So active active duty Air Force right now. I'm stationed in Aviano, Italy, <clears throat> and so I'm not hurting too bad. Uh, I've got a wife and three kids, and they're getting to see Europe quite a bit, and so it's wonderful. I've been married 20 years, so uh, that's that's just amazing to me, and it just gets better with time. 
and I got teenagers, so pray for your chaplain. He needs it. Uh, I've been a military, uh, a real estate investor for 20 years now. Like you said, I bought my first house at 21 years old and I bought and sold along the way. I've got a nice portfolio in Georgia. I own the property management company that manages my portfolio because I like them run my way. And since I'm always all over the globe, I like to know what's going on real time. And so I have people who work for me that give me what I want when I want it. And so it works out pretty good to to be all over the globe and know that your real estate portfolio is being taken care of. So if you're a long distance landlord, you, you, you kind of know what I'm talking about on that. And you did mention the St. Pierre Alliance. This is kind of one of my ways of giving back. It's a scholarship and performance coaching program. So what we do is we provide scholarships and performance coaches to students rising from adversity. And so I was that kid that, you know, I, I defied the statistics. And so I, I broke out. I, I, by all the, by all the metrics, I should not be, you know, a military millionaire right now. I should not be a chaplain for sure. <clears throat> Why would this guy ever be a chaplain? How could, how could that be a uh, performance coach married 20 years? There's a miracle. Uh, cause of my story, you know, I just, it was a rough first 20 years of life. And so the, this, my wife and I decided we would start a scholarship in 2022 and uh, so we did. And I started telling some friends of mine and people I do business with. And they're like, Jerry, I'm in. I'm like, you're in. They're like, yeah, I'm in. So we just started this whole thing called the St. Pierre Alliance. And now we've got, um, we let's see, 2023, we just awarded five scholarships in 2023. We've got three performance coaches on board. And I'm, I'm planning on onboarding another three or four in 2023. And uh, I've got today, I don't know, probably 20 applications in my inbox today from students trying to reach out for us and what we're doing. And uh, we can't take care of all of them yet, but we're going to keep growing the alliance. And so that's a little pet project of mine. And then you mentioned the podcast. So that's I'm launching that this year is my way of giving back to our students who are in the alliance and those who are trying to break out like I did and just bringing the skill sets that I've developed in my own personal life. And then through, of course, my theological ministry counseling training, and then as an Air Force performance coach, bringing all of that to bear central into people's lives, right? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money I've got. If I don't impact people's lives, I've missed the whole point of having money. I've missed the whole point of, of living a meaningful life. So those are, um, that's a little bit of what I do. I stay busy. Uh, I usually go to bed around midnight over here in Italy because everybody's awake in the States right now, you know, so. Uh, but I'm moving things along. So that's Jerry St. Pierre in a nutshell, what I'm doing. So I love this. Jerry, the two things that stood out to me that I really like to synthesize is one, um, your level of commitment is really, really impressive. A lot of 20 year projects, which is hard for many people, myself included, actually maybe myself particularly mm -hmm. and projecting. Um, so a lot of 20 year okay. commitments, which is really impressive. And um, the second is everything you've done from the military to um, the ministry to um the scholarship is all service-based, serve first. And so I really like those two, right? Those two things. And um, I don't know if maybe you could, you kind of expand on what you do, but maybe how those sort of ideas drive you. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's not the idea that drives it though. It's the heart that drives it. And it comes from deep within, you know, I, when I tell my story, you, you can hear it. You know, I was that kid that was raised my, for example, my mom is um, even till today, she's in her seventies she's uh, mentally handicapped and we're all old enough to remember the comments like the short bus and 
uh, mentally retarded back when we used to use those terms. I don't, I don't know if we still use those today, but that's my mom. I love her, but she's mentally handicapped. And she, uh, she had three children uh, by a gentleman who's probably a hundred, I think from what I can research and understand, he's probably a 115 years old now. If that tells you anything about what happened when she was a you know young adult as mentally handicapped, right? And I don't want to, she's still alive. I want to honor her memory and her legacy while she's still alive. So I, I don't, I want to be real careful to love her well and tell my story because what I do comes out of my story. But my mom, she gave so much for us. We, we raised, of course, on food stamps and social security checks. My brother was also mentally handicapped. And so I was the only quote normal one in the house. And uh, they both had bad speech impediments. I would, when I was nine, 10, 11 years old, I would go to the bank and do the banking business. Yeah, I'd roll in there and they would, my mom would call ahead. Hey, my son's coming. They would give me $1,500 back in 1989. That's probably four grand a day if you, in, you know, inflation wise. And I would, cause it was, I was in New Orleans, you know? So yeah, I was a street smart kid. I, I wasn't book smart, but I was very street smart. So I'd like take a few hundreds and I'd like fold them and roll them and stash them all over my body, you know? And I would like put like a $10 bill in my pocket in case I got robbed. I'd give them like a 20 or whatever, and we could pay our mortgage or, our, or not our mortgage, but our rent for the month or whatever, you know. And I would go back when there was food stamps and my mom would send me to the grocery store on a bicycle, me by myself to do the grocery shopping. And I would have to double the bags, those plastic bags. And I'd put them on the handlebars and you roll them, you spin them so they come up higher, you know, and you flip the little edge back over the top. If you're on YouTube and you're seeing us on YouTube, you can kind of see my, 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 my hand gestures. And, and I would pump those, the, the groceries home and freezing cold New Orleans weather, weather. And I'd have snot draining from my nose. I, I, I can go on for hours. I'll tell you one more. When I was in, you know, I remember third grade, I would stand at the end of the, you know, the, whether you return your trays for lunch, you dump all the food out and throw it away. I would stay in there at the end and I would take other people's food that they didn't eat because I knew I'd be hungry later on. Right. And I would, I, it was a good meal. And so that's my childhood and a lot of violence and just was not a good, good deal. My uncle was a homeless man and he, uh, he started me skipping school in fourth grade. I just go to his house. He'd shotgun weed to his, his Doberman. And I'd eat chips and salsa for lunch. And that's what I did for fourth grade, you know, half of it at least. And, you know, I had a rough start. That's all I'm trying to get. And so I, I was able to break free and, and take this journey of like making things right. And so as I've done that, my life is now to bring others with me. So what I do in the Air Force, when I reach out to our airmen, our soldiers, our Marines, whoever I'm with, our guardians, it's like, how can I help you in your journey? Because I had people step in and help me. You know, and it's not just financially, but in all aspects of my life. And so I'm just so grateful and thankful for the man that I am, the life that I live. I'm very blessed in so many ways. And it's just time to give back. Like, what's the point in keeping it? You see what I'm saying? So that's where it comes from. It's deep in, in my heart and my soul. Yeah, how'd you get out? Did you get out through the military? So I joined the reserves, the National Guard at first, Army Guard, and I had to stay because to take care of my mom, you know, I, I, I was that it's called parentification, right? I was parentified at like six. And so I kept that on me even even when I was a guardsman in Afghanistan in 03, when I was there, you know, I came home early because my mom needed me home. So like a month or so before my deployment ended, I got a hardship. 
you know, she's mentally handicapped. I mean, how do you leave a mentally handicapped, especially if you've been the one who takes care of her her whole life? And what I've had to do is, is I've had to learn how to set boundaries with my mother. A lot of, a lot of boundaries with her. And I had to learn to create my own autonomy. And so it's a concept that I call soul autonomy, S-O-U-L, soul autonomy. And I'm convinced everybody has this inside of them. It's not unique to me. It's just, I learned to lean into it. And I was able to, I was able to ensure my mom is okay from a distance. And it wasn't until about three years ago when my mom decided it was best for her to be in a, a community uh, nursing home, you know, community center, and that she was eligible for it through, you know, through Medicaid, I suppose it is one of those programs that I finally got the freedom to say, I can finally take it easy. I was 38 years old when I said, I can finally stop always taking care of her. Like somebody else can help now. And, but it was a journey of me learning to take care of her from a distance to break those chains of codependency and so many things that were those dynamics that I was raised with mindset. Oh my gosh. Mindset had to change. Heart set had to change. I had to learn about life and money and 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 I picked up those skills. I went to college. While I was in college, I, the pastor at my church would like my whole senior year, every Monday, I went to his office for two hours, not a small church. And he gave me two hours of his time. He like mentored me, you know, and I would, I would like look up to people who were like in those nice suits and they had money and they were, you know, they had like professions and they were like really good at their craft. And I would, I'd walk up to him and say, Hey, my name's Jerry St. Pierre. And can you give me the top five principles that you operate on in life? just begging for somebody to help me, you know, as a 23 year old, 25 year old, 28 year old. And some of them wrote me and I kept it. And I began to see themes. I said, I'm keeping that. I'm going to, that's mine now. And I began to like internalize in my own heart and soul, like how to take what's inside of me, the man that I could be and bring it out into the world. So that's, uh, I had people help me to answer it in a short way, but it was a lot of work. I promise you it was a lot of work. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's not, you know, they talk through how much of your habits are set at such a young age yeah. and how you don't even really realize it. Um, yep. You know, I mean, that there's this book, uh, it's called Lovable, I believe, mm. and it talks mm. about in fact, I think the speakers are coming to an event I'm going to next week or the authors. Um, and it talks about like the, they use the word trauma, which, yep. you know, I don't know that that's always the best word because it may not always come across as trauma, but the yep. word they use is trauma to explain that, you know, the, the things that happen or the impressions that are made when you are in those young years cause such a domino effect that you don't even realize. And, and in oh, the book, yeah. they explain like, you know, how little things like the fact that you were raised in a manner where like the perception you had about money at that early age was something that you inevitably had to come to grips with and, and change at some point in life oh, yeah. to get to where you are now. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't that anyone was misleading you or lying to you or whatever. I mean, it's like little things like such as, as simple as the, the old adage of, you know, the envelope system or the, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you have to, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned or like some of these things that you're taught at five years old mm -hmm. that, you know, you don't realize how 
deeply they yeah. root themselves. And oh, yeah. so, yeah, it sounds like you had a, a lot to, uh, I don't want to say to overcome, right. But definitely, definitely went through a, a lot of transition in your early twenties. Yeah. 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 And I, I would use the word overcome me in my story because <clears throat> that's what it is. And, and, you know, I look at my life today and I have such gratitude. I'm so thankful that I get to wake up and do what I do every day and enjoy the life that I have. And, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful place to be in life. It's where the meaning is found. It's like I get to wake up every day and what's deep in my heart is showing up in the world around me somehow because I'm putting the work into it, whether it's a scholarship, whether it was investing in our real estate portfolio to create our wealth that we have today, whether it's, you know, being able to bless people that call and say, hey, Jerry, I need a, I need a hand. And, and I know them because I don't just, I don't lend out money. My philosophy is I'll give it, I don't lend it. So I just, here you go, it's yours, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I need some money. Can you give me some? <laughs> well, that's why I have the Life of Money Coach podcast. See, I'm helping people create their own identity and own independence financially. <laughs> and not only through sharing my story, but principles. I bring other people on, you know. But um, but for those who... true, uh, Sorry, Jerry. I'm really curious about this, actually, because th this is something I've been, you know... I don't want to say tackling, but I think about a lot lately is the difference between like how to help and how to get somebody to help themselves. And so I know yeah. that you really want to, um, I don't know, I wouldn't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know that in very many people's lives, like help is not much help. People really need to learn how to help themselves. Yeah. And so yes. um, yeah. in everything you've, in all of your facets where you're serving, like, you know, the military is not really good at helping. They're really good at teaching people how to help themselves, um, which yeah. is, and they're, maybe, maybe some of the best of the world at it. Um, mm -hmm. and so like, how do you do that with content? How do you, you said, Hey, I'll give you money, but yeah. I won't ask for it back because, and I kind of get, I see how those in my head, those things are connected where, you know, if you, if you set somebody up for failure, are you, are you really, if you give somebody yeah. some money and you're like, Hey, I need you to pay me back. And then, you know, you put this pressure on them. Are you really helping them? Um, mm -hmm. that's not always the case, but so could you touch on that maybe a little more between like helping and, and helping yeah. people help themselves? Yeah. Yeah, there's a concept. As a matter of fact, I think it's the title of a book called "When Help When When Helping Hurts," and the idea is what you're getting at. Sometimes we think we're doing people justice by stepping into their world and fixing their problems or giving them the money they need, but at the end of the day, as soon as we leave, status quo returns to where they've been, and so that's not the best way to do it. The best way to do it is to empower people, and so. Uh, the, the term I use is soul autonomy, right? It's the, I want, I don't want. And it's at the deeper sense is I will do this to get it. And I will not do that to get it. And we all have this soul autonomy piece to us and to empower that component of the person is the key because we are made, we, we are designed with autonomy built into us. Matter of fact, it's in our nation's bloodline, like give me liberty or give me death. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's in our storyline. We will, I'd rather die freed and live in, you know, enslaved, that kind of thing. It's, it's the way we're designed. And so to tap into that autonomy and to encourage people to, so the second step then is once we tap into that autonomy, we tap into what I call soul, S-O-U-L, responsibility. That means I own my actions 
and I own what I'm what I can own around me and the space around me. So I take ownership of of whatever the situation might be. And in the autonomy and in the responsibility, that's where the power comes in to thoroughly transform your life. That's where that's it's it's what I call head heart hand alignment. So the heart is um the I wants, the I wills, the the mind is the mindset and our vision, our ability to see kind of vision of where we can go in life, what we can't see, because oftentimes there's a lot we do not see, right? We need people like you guys on podcasts that bring on guests to help us see, oh, I didn't even think of it that way. What if I, what if I looked in a different lens at my situation, right? That's all our mindset, our headspace. And then our hands, this is our technical, this is what we actually do. This is like, for those of us who've been in real estate for a while, we can spot a deal like we can look at, oh, I need, we need, I need, I need to move now to snatch this up, right? Because we've done it enough, right? We've, it's like that muscle memory with your, with your, with your weapon system, right? <clears throat> and so to get that head, heart, hand in alignment takes that soul autonomy and soul responsibility and says, I can, I want this. Now I am going to own it and make something happen to where action is taking place in my life. And so to put it on to them, so I try not to ever fix someone's problems. It's not my place to fix anybody's problem. I got my own to worry about. You with me? So, but if I can give them tools, I can help them get that alignment going on. I can do my performance coaching for the Air Force or more on the counseling, spiritual side of the heart of the person as a chaplain or what have you. It's all, it's all designed to empower them where they are in their space and mind, heart and hands to go to the next level. But I have to be careful that I don't step in and hurt when I'm really trying to help. You see what I'm saying? So the concept you're getting at is when helping hurts and we want to make sure they're helping is not actually hurting and we don't know it. And, or sometimes the problem I run into every now and then is, you know, you, whether you try to help or, uh, yeah, I had an issue like what was like a week ago on LinkedIn. I got a comment that was like, you know, basically just saying, uh, you know, I don't want to get into specifics actually, but, uh, mm. it was it, someone saying, essentially I've made a video about mentorship and like, you can, you know, pay to play or, or building real relationships that turn into like mentorship through the relationship, mm. uh, yeah. not like just, Hey, will you be my mentor with no right. Right. value transaction? Mm. And, um, this guy commented and was basically like, you know, sometimes people just don't keep their word. That's the other part of it. I was like, what? I don't, I don't understand why that's coming into. And I guess it turns out that like at one point he had messaged me like a bunch of questions and I kind of answered some of them and then was like, I'd love to call or like call me and like gave me his number. I was like, I'm slammed. Like, you know, mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, like maybe we try again in like a month and then he never reached back out and you know, I don't know. And uh, so he was, you know, very frustrated, I guess that I, you know, and so, uh, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes you get into this like dynamic where you're, you're trying to help and there's all this free content and yeah. yet people almost yeah. like expect you to yeah. drop everything. And yeah. like, it's like, I don't, sometimes I still struggle with that balance of like, how do I politely say like, ah, ah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's an interesting. It's like, I'm not going to help you if I just answer all of your problems yeah. because yeah. you're not learning anything. I'd like to add to that actually. Um, I think, what I found, especially David has this wonderful group called The War Room, and it's paid. Mm-hmm. And so what it does is, you know, it's very easy to, 
like sort of enter into somebody's life and just help them. And then you do damage because you can, you can find yourself doing damage because you set up sort of like um, a subsidy and then people, mm-hmm. people rely yep. on subsidies. And then, so it's yep. like lottery winners that go broke. It's like, cause then you end up supporting all these people that come along for the ride. And so it's a very hard for, you know, people to say like this, this group, you know, the war room to plug David's, this will help you, but you're gonna have to pay for it first. Yep. And so what yeah. it does is it sort of creates um, a, a, an accountability and a commitment up front. And so it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you can have David's yep. time. David will help you. The group will help you. But better yet, like if you commit, it, it sort of says that first I will commit to helping myself. And so I really, it's not perfect because I do like just giving. And I think everybody on this call yeah. really <clears> likes <throat> giving. But you do find yeah. that if, you know, David's like, hey, I'll give you. But then like what happens is people then they, you give, it's like a, you give an inch, they take a mile. And then, and then they don't end up doing the things, you know, a lot of times people just want their hand held and that's not what's best for them either. So I like the paid model because it sort of requires a commitment up front, a a significant commitment up front that, um, that makes them, um, have skin in the game. Yeah. You're able, you're able to measure their soul autonomy on this. Like how serious are you? So people will come to me when they find out kind of that I'm in real estate and they'll want to just take, 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 take. And and they don't realize it's what they're doing. And I, and, and I call I, it. I, I'm trying to coin the phrase. I call them assholes. <laughs> I've heard that before. I've heard. I'm pretty sure I've heard you say that. I'm, but yeah, they want to come and take, take, take my 20 plus years of experience. And 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 at the end of the day, uh, no, that's not how this is going to work. So. If the attitude that a person comes to me is take, 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 I will not give. But if they'll come and give, 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 then I'll pour on the blessings because it's an attitude. Wealth, we don't accumulate wealth. We manage wealth. There's a difference. The more I try to take, take, take and keep, 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 I lose, lose, lose. I I become enslaved to this thing. I burn bridges. I burn relationships. It's all about me, that kind of thing. But when it's about empower, when it's, when it's a tool that I use, now I have stewardship principles. I can't just take what I've earned or what, what I'm stewarding and give it to someone who can't handle it. This is just like with my kids. I was telling my wife, I said, honey, you know, I think I need to update our will to say that I'm not giving my kids any money until they achieve a certain net worth on their own, independent of my wealth. Like if, if we die and we give them a million dollars, we might just set them up for a lot of failure. It needs to be stipulated in our trust or into my trustee that until you demonstrate a hundred thousand dollar net worth, you don't get it. Period. You have to show that you can build, that you have skin in the game and you're not just a taker who can't handle what you've been given. So the takers will take, receive, but not know how to handle it. That's poor stewardship. But the wealth piece, like I was talking about, these are people who learn how to manage, how to grow it. They're the ones who will be faithful with it. And those, that's who we give to. There's a scripture that says, who, uh, the one who um, is faithful with little will be faithful with much. So if you can't handle a hundred bucks, if I gave you a thousand, you're not going to handle a thousand. A million's not going to help you at all. Dude, dude, this hits so hard because... You know, this is, again, the, the example I use is lottery winners, but it happens to, like, celebrities, too, or, you know, basketball oh, yeah. players, people that come into money fast. I'm like, 99% yep. of the population does not have a money scarcity problem. They have a money management problem. 
And yep. it's like, yep. it, dude, if, and people, uh, real estate in- investors over the last few years have done this. They're like, I'm broke. I need to go buy real estate. I'm like, bro, it's 75% debt. Like this is risk. And so if you're mismanaging high risk, it's high risk. Um, it's not high risk, yep. but it's, it is risk. Um, it's not low risk. <laughs> um, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if, if you, you do it right, it's done right. It's the right risk when you do it right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not no risk. Right. And so people like, I'm like, if right, you're mismanaging right. your personal, I, you know, I think about everybody as everybody has their own personal balance sheet and cash flow statement and income statement. Mm-hmm. And if you can't manage that, yeah. adding more yeah. is not going to yeah. make you better at it. Like you don't have a scarcity problem. Yeah. You have a management problem. And so, um, I really like, yeah. I really like what you're saying there. Yeah. I'm with so, you. And, um, well, go ahead. well, so I see this, um, I, I see this pot. You mentioned the podcast coming out. Tell me about like, tell me about, I, I look at, at content as like the first time in human history where like, you know, I think the word you would like to use is ministry. I think about that's the, that's the mm-hmm. word that comes to mind at least, um, yeah, you know, ha- yeah, helping yeah. like now we can do it to scale. So like, you know, I see you, you're oh, doing, yeah. you're doing content, you know, we're doing content. Like how do you see scalability plus service, you know, merging for the first time in human history like this? Well, I think, let me think about that. Scalability plus service. You know, it's interesting. We live in the world now where in order to get, you have to give first. I think it used to be you pay, then you get the service. Now you give the service, then you get paid. It's like a paradigm shift has happened. The more value I create in the economy, then money starts to show up. So I like to put it this way. Money follows value. So we have to get out there and create the value, which is the service part. And then money will follow it because People will gladly give up money because of what they're getting in return is the value. And so in this, this world where I I joke and say, I'm on TV right now, you know, I tell my kids, yeah, I'm going to be on TV for the next hour. Y'all keep it quiet. Like I can be on TV, like right now we can make this thing into a video and publish it and put it all over the world and everybody can see it. We have our own TV station right here. You have your own radio station for free. Well, some cost, you know, but we can do it. It's free for you. <laughs> well, today it won't today, be when you're doing it, but today it is. Well, I, I'm already paying. I've got an editor and so forth. You know, I get it, but it's not like I'm paying to be on Fox, the Fox News Network, or a Super yeah. Bowl channel or whatever. You know, during the Super Bowl. So, you know, relatively speaking, this is pretty inexpensive compared to back in the '80s when. You know, so I think scalability is how you could take the value and give it to the world at a scalable rate will determine the amount of service ability that you're giving to the world and then the amount of value that you're contributing to the world. And then from there, people will say thank you for the value in the form of dollars or something, some kind of currency that they have. So. I agree. I mean, I love the phrase, uh, you know, they call it currency for a reason, right? You got to let it flow. Let it flow. And you so can't hold on to it. Yeah. I love, I love to think of that visualization of when you're talking about like giving value and, and you got to give to, you can't just take it's, it's just, it's got to ebb and flow. It's like the, the people who earn and save mm-hmm. ultimately lose in the long run. It's yes, got to come and go and ebb and flow. And it's, you know, and you got to give to get. And I mean, life yeah. is just a, karma and yin, you know, yin yang. And there's all kinds of every, every oh, yeah. culture out there has some phrase that talks about yeah. this concept. And there's yeah. a reason. Yeah. We, we got to capture it's true. It's because it's truth. It's universal. It's timeless. 
it's nothing new. It's been around for, for the ages. It'll be around for, you know, when my kids, when I'm passed on and my kids are listening to my podcast, which is one of the reasons I'm doing it. So when they're mature enough to actually hear what I have to say, it's all been documented, right? So it's truth. Truth is timeless. Take hold of it and use it. <clears throat> well, they want their million bucks. They're like, damn it. I got to go listen to all those episodes. <laughs> um, what are you going to do it? Hey, listen, I tell them, <laughs> I want to give you everything, but I don't have to give you anything. The basics is what I'm required to do. I want you to have it all, but you got to be faithful with it. If you can't be faithful with the little things, no one, you, you cannot be trusted with a lot. And so it's my responsibility as a father to train my children to, to get it, you know, and to, to understand these concepts and to live them. And I tell them, if you want a life like I did, uh, like I got, do what I did to get it. it ain't hard. Just principle into practice all day long. 20 years. 20, 20 years. years. That's yeah. the hard part. It's yeah. not hard. It's yeah. doing it every day. That's exactly right. And you know, it's a discipline. It's, it's a love for truth and wisdom for me. I, I have really fallen in love with, with wisdom and truth. Not that I have gotten it all, but I certainly love what I've gotten. And, and I just hold on to it and it, it protects me. It's peace. It's, it's stability when it seems like all the world is falling apart. It's, I can be, I can be as bold as a lion when, when, you know, uh, investigators are investigating or the IRS are out doing their thing or there's something going on in the unit, you know, whatever is in the, I, I don't have to worry about anything because, you know, it, for, I try to do what is right with wisdom and principle and it has borne great fruit. You know, you reap what you sow, you know, that's life. <clears throat> You know, you want to be a real estate investor, like you were saying, you have to start off being faithful with the little things. If you can't pay your bills on time, don't go try to take out six mortgages. That's not a good idea. You know, you, you're a high risk profile in a game and, you know, you can get burned at that, you know. But Jerry, you can go 120% loan to value and they'll they'll <laughs> come back with a seller credit and then, yeah. you know. And you're in. No money down. You did it. No money down. <laughs> it's easy. You guys are crazy. Real estate only goes up. Everybody knows that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Buy it in Bitcoin. Yeah. Oh yeah, don't you love the Bitcoin? I hear it's uh I hear it's coming back down to uh its value. So <laughs> I wouldn't know. I haven't heard anything about it since it dropped. Yeah, yeah. No, it's exactly <laughs> it got quiet real fast. Yeah, you know, I was buying uh, I, I owned during the recession and I use real estate to cash flow my way through college. So I was married uh, with a kid the day I started college, my son was like a week old when I started, two weeks old when I started college. And, um, and, uh, I had three houses. I sold all three. I paid cash for one and I used the cash flow with a bunch of scholarships and hard work to get through a private institution debt free. And then I ended up when I was in graduate school preparing to do like ministry work, chaplaincy, that kind of thing. I ended up buying another house. And, and on and on and on. And now we have what we have, but, uh, you know, you, you really have to be smart and educated with real estate. I, you know, I love YouTube, but I do think that there's a lot on YouTube that if you just go out there and try it, cause you read it in a book or you, and, and the other thing is the rules of real estate have changed from when a lot of these books that we use have, have come out, you know, I mean, just look at the market right now. I, I, I am not buying right now. That's me. I'm, I'm just sitting out. I'm waiting for something to break because it's going to break. And then when the right deal comes up, I'll buy it. But, you know, I look out there and I go, 
nope. And realtors, they'll call me because they know I'm a buyer and I'll tell them, no, that makes sense. And, and, and so, but you have to be smart. So if you're listening, you know, be careful if you're jumping into real estate for the first time and, you know, unless you're buying your own primary residence and you're buying it smartly, you can cash flow your, your life, you live in expenses and it doesn't break you then maybe buy. But if it's for investment, you know, just be careful right now. My rule is, this is not a rule. This is just like a little, my little test. If I can ask 10 people if buying real estate is a good idea and eight of them say yes, then I don't. Yeah. It's when, it's when 10 yeah. out of 10 people tell me I'm a, I'm a <laughs> lunatic that's ever buying real estate. That's when I'm like, now's the time to buy. That, yes. Yeah. And we are not there right now. We're not there. It's just, I mean, we, well, actually during the pandemic, I actually went out and bought a bunch early on when, when those rates dropped real fast, I just pulled a bunch of equity, moved it around and just snatched them up. And what was cool, I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but I was buying some new construction, which I always prefer new construction as a long distance landlord. Cause you know, I don't have to worry about CapEx for the most part. So I was locking them in, in, uh, and these, these rates of these, these prices, but everything was climbing and appreciating. And, and to me, you know, as I look at it, I think we got to be careful with the time, but where I was buying, I think the prices were catching up to where they probably should have been after the recession. So I think they've kind of leveled off where they probably should have been. And here's how I know the neighborhoods where I were buying houses during the pandemic were lots that were prepared to build on back in the recession that nobody ever built on. So we are just now catching up to the supply demand in the community of 08, where I was buying these houses. So the realtors were at, thought I was crazy for buying. I'm like, no, I, I don't think I'm crazy at all. That should have, this, the amount of supply in this area code should have been built eight years ago. We've not touched them. They're just now getting to it. And rates are dirt cheap right now. I went and bought a bunch and I put huge down payments down on them. So I got the, the loans down really low, payments really low. But I didn't see coming was the everything going up. So and net worth went up and my cash flow is due to roof. And I know the market well enough to know that I'm going to be able to demand the rents that I'm getting for a substantial amount of time. So even during the pandemic, when the realtors were saying no, it was the experience that said, if I were, in, if I were a novice, I would have probably listened to the realtor. But being that I've done it so much and I knew how the equity positions I was positioning, I said, no, we're snatching these up. And I bought a bunch of property at really good prices and, you know, so that's right. You just, you just really have to not follow the hype. You have to know your business, know your craft. Well, the realtors are like in the front row of the hype. So when the realtors tell you no, that's when you say yes. And when the realtors tell you, tell you yep. yes, that's when you say yep. no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, and realtors, you know, their job is different. They're not investors. Most of them. I mean, some of them are, of course, but the ones I typically, when I call up, I usually represent myself when I buy a house because that's negotiating pieces with it, blah, blah, blah. Don't do that. If you're listening and you've never bought a house, you don't know what a contract sounds like, use a realtor. Me, I'll go to bat by myself because I'll use my closing attorneys watching my back. So I don't care, right? But um, I figure I was going with that. You, you got to know your, you got to know your craft. So I agree with you. And I would say as a guy who, uh, is worked with a lot of real estate agents nationwide and has done a lot of like recommending and whatever. Uh, I've gotten to see how a lot of people work and there are just a lot of agents out there who are really bad. 
Yes. Uh, yep. it, it always makes me laugh. Like I'll send you know, recommendations to someone and then they'll be like, I don't get it, man. Like, you know, you recommend like three or four people and none of them are interested in buying a house. I'm like, yeah, well, I called those three or four people. Yeah. You didn't call any of them. I mm. handed, like I sent you an introduction yeah. yep. and you did not talk to them. Like, yep. But yep. Uh, the other piece though, and you like wave topped it, Jerry, but you said you made a substantial down payment on all of these. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. there's something to be said for the fact that yes, you know, the market, yes, you knew this, that, the other, but the other piece is had those agents been right. And there was a bad time, quote unquote, yeah, to buy yeah, with yeah. a large down payment, equity yeah. position, yeah. low note. I mean, Cash you had flows, substantially yeah. hedged yeah. your risk. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I know what I'm doing, but also I'm hedging my bet. Yeah, so that's exactly a smart right. move. Yeah. We, you definitely want to go out there and over leverage. You know, I, I, I think right now we're probably at about a 55% debt to equity throughout the portfolio and um, cash flow is... 1.8 as opposed to 1.2, which is, you know, a lot of people tout the 1.2 banks like that. I don't, that's no money. <laughs> so I take the 1.8 over the 1.2 any day because that's just pure cash flow. And I'm turning around and buying in the markets because the markets are down right now. So I take the profits, turn around, make more money with it. Debt service coverage ratio. De yeah. Yeah. Debt. Sir yeah. Thank you. Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah. That's solid. Yeah. That's the way I like it. So it's uh yeah. So anyways, yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Jerry, we, uh, you know, I know we're getting kind of towards that time hack where Dave's got 6 million things on the calendar today. And, yeah. uh, because I have no life. Um, <laughs> but we've covered a ton in the last 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that we missed that you think we should cover in the next five? Maybe an opportunity. And let's it hear it. It's the St. Pierre Alliance. So with the scholarship that we're doing, uh, if, if, if folks want to get involved in like making a difference in other people's lives through what we're doing, we provide scholarships and performance coaches to students rising from adversity. These are kids who have demonstrated they've got the drive to climb out of whatever situation they came from. Like I am, like I was that kid. And so we give them credential performance coaches for a year. Every year that they're in the Alliance, and as if you've ever hired a performance coach, they're not exactly cheap. And we give them to them at no charge and we give them cash for college and we fund it by people, me and others that are really all my friends right now. And people that are hearing about this, they're jumping in. They go online to stpeeralliance.com, click, get involved, and they just become a member. And it's 50 bucks a month minimum. Some come in at a hundred, 200. We don't, we just say tuition ain't cheap, at least 50 bucks, Right. And then people are just putting in. And what I'd like to see going into 20, I'd like to leave 2023 with $30,000 of income coming in for the, for the Alliance to put out in scholarships. And then once we reach that mark, I want to start bringing in keynote speakers for our summit that we do once a year, like, like high impact speakers to come in and, and, and drop knowledge, not just to our students, but they can invite all their friends. Anybody could come in. They can learn about whatever it might be investing in real estate and, you know, personal finance, career, doing what you love, monetizing, whatever the theme is for that year to bring in those folks. But we need, we need people to join with us. So I don't take a profit. I don't need the money. It's all for fun. It's my side project. And I'm inviting people to say, 
you know what? I like that. The St. Pierre Alliance.com. I'm in. Get involved. If you want to learn more, you can call me. Just reach out to me on the on the website. And uh, but I'd love to see more people get involved because it's a great thing that we're doing. And that web We love that, Jerry. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. I was just saying that that website is the jerrystpierre.com. Yeah, you can go to Jerry St. Pierre. That's J-E-R-R-Y-S-T-P-I-E-R-R-E.com. And you can link over to the Alliance from there. That's that's where I put my little bio and then all my projects, podcasts, and all. But if you go to jerrystpierre.com, scroll down to my passion projects and click on the St. Pierre Alliance, it'll take you straight to the website. And uh, we've, we've got five students who are going to be scholarshiping this year. I want to see it get to 10 for the following year with some really cool Eventually, I want to start do, uh, sponsoring, co-sponsoring internships at different corporations. We go in half, they go in half, and we bring in our students as they transition out of college into their profession. We'll pay half of their salary for that time that they're in there to get them that experience, OJT, to help them grow. But that's a few years down the road. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Jerry, this has been a good time. Thanks for joining us, brother. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Much appreciate you, dude. Yeah, thanks for you guys, all that you're doing out there. Y'all make a difference too, so we really appreciate it. Absolutely. We thank you for the kind words. Yeah, y'all take care. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.